Hello, audience, listeners out in the virtual world. Uh, We are coming to you with our second episode about prosperity and spirituality, or spirituality and prosperity on Opinionation. Please let us know what you thought of this episode afterwards at opinionation20 at gmail.com or the last episode, and any suggestions for future episodes. I'm here again with Coulter, and we are going to be talking about the Bible, prosperity, spirituality, and what about wealth. So we picked up last, we ended last time talking about Solomon and about uh, his request from God and what God gave him in addition to the wisdom he asked for. And now today I believe we're going to talk about excess and I'll let you awesome. jump in. Uh, great. Hey, I'm proud to, uh, happy to be here. Uh, you know, the, the topic that, you know, we're discussing is uh, again, kind of like previously is a uh, passion of mine as far as uh, things that interest me, you know, uh, biblically speaking. And, you know, one of the things that I'm always interested in is the nature of God and, you know, discerning his will, you know, for us and uh, in, in a lot of situations. And, uh, you know, just knowing, I believe, the heart of God and the character of God um, allows us to, you know, to, to discern what his will is for us. And, you know, the two, the two areas that, that I find a lot of Christians just really struggle with, uh, Christian, uh, Christian specifically, um, is, you know, the, uh, the areas of health and, and, he, uh, and healing, you know, not necessarily just health, but just, but, but healing. And then also areas of money, you know, so success, uh, wealth. And it, it seems like there's, um, you know, like two camps that, that believers fall into when it comes to this idea, um, of, uh, you know, of, uh, of both and, you know, specifically talking about, you know, wealth, you know, the two camps are kind of like, you know, uh, wealth is, is bad, you know, making too much money is not good. And, uh, you know, if you, you know, if you focus on it, you know, there, you know, it's this idea of, oh, there's more important things in life, you know, uh, you know, don't, don't spend too much time chasing, wearing yourself out to get rich, you know, all this stuff. Um, you know, there's that idea. And then also the idea like, well, God just doesn't even care if you, if you got money or not, or he just doesn't, you know, you know, whether you're wealthy or not, like it's not important to him. And, you know, that's just kind of like, they don't really have an opinion on it, but they certainly don't believe that you should be wealthy. Uh, then you got on the other side of the camp, the pendulum swinging all the, the complete opposite way. And then you've got the what they call the prosperity gospel. Now, there's only really, there's one gospel. There's the gospel, but they call it the term prosperity gospel. And that's the idea that, you know, God's going to drop this bag of money off on your doorstep. Uh, you know, or if you're a Christian, you're just going to be rich because God loves you. And, uh, you know, there's nothing you got to do and you're just going to get rich. You know, and that whole prosperity gospel idea. And, uh, and the reality is neither one of them are, are, are true. They're, the truth is, you know, somewhere in the middle, but we as, you know, as believers and just really humans in general tend to do this with a lot of stuff, you know, so, you know, the whole idea of, uh, you know, grace or works, right? You know, salvation, is it by grace or is it by works, right? And, uh, you know, you'll run into a lot of people that don't understand scriptures and don't have a relationship with God. And, you know, they are absolutely uh, present to the idea of, you know, they, they, uh, can't go to heaven because God, you know, they, they haven't 
they've done too many bad things and they can't be a good enough person or, you know, there's this level of goodness that they'll never be able to get to. And it's always, you know, about, um, you know, trying to earn your way, you know, to salvation and favor, right. And all this stuff. And I think uh, both Jews and Gentiles struggle with that. Um, yeah. And I think it's like human nature anyway, just period. Right. You know, and, you know, but then the other side of course is, you know, grace, right. And, yeah, and look, should we, you know, is grace, uh, you know, are we are we saved by grace? Yes, the scriptures tell us we're saved by grace. Uh, not of works, lest any man boast, right, uh, is what the Bible tells us. And, uh, and also at the same time, um, Paul discusses in, uh, I think it's Romans 6, you know, somewhere in there, that grace is not a, basically it's not a license to sin, right? It, you know, it's not a, uh, you know, we don't abuse grace and... Uh, just because we have it, just continue to live a sinful life and, you know, uh, reject God and just, you know, oh, he loves me, so I don't have to follow him. I don't have to accept his son as my savior. And I still get to go ahead of him just because God loves me. There's just this ever-ending grace. You know, neither one of those ideas are, you know, are, are real or are correct, right? And, uh, but so this, this kind of idea of just this, you know, huge, like, pendulum, you know, back and forth between these two, you know, it's kind of seems to be a human nature yeah, anyway, but the, the thing that we want to hone in on today I, that, you know, we're discussing here is um, specifically, you know, the, the nature of God in the areas of uh, health and wealth and, uh, and discerning and helping and, and, and looking at what has he done and how has he acted and, um, and, and what can we be taught from the scriptures on those two subjects and then using that, of course, to discern that will for us in our, in our present day. And, you know, kind of starting off with the wealth, you know, wealth side to kind of finish up our conversation from the last time, you know, we can, uh, you know, start by turning to, uh, you know, Luke six thirty eight, where, you know, the, the writer talks about, um, specifically, you know, his cup, uh, running over here. It says, uh, give, and it will be given to you. Luke six thirty eight. Uh, given it we given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. So there's some things like this, some verses that we're going to kind of hone in on, and uh, you know, specifically here when it comes to provisions, right? So provision, whether it be, you know, there's there's areas in the Bible where it talks about, uh, you know, wealth, money, and then there's areas where it talks about, you know, it uses the the nature of God. Uh, in terms of like food, people eating, right? And like, you know, we can see God's nature and how it happened when Jesus, you know, fed the 5,000 over in uh, Matthew 14. You know, we can jump there real quick. And we got a few verses here. We can just, you know, I'm going to kind of machine gun, so to speak here, just boom, 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 kind of hop around just so we can start really, we're not going to dive, you know, real deeply here right off the bat so we can just kind of get a 30,000 foot view, so to speak. But if we go to Matthew 14, and uh, verse 13, starting out, it says, um, when Jesus heard it, verse 13, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot. And when Jesus went out and saw the great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Pausing right there, I'll, uh, just one comment coming to mind. I can't think of a single place in scripture where Jesus encountered sickness and didn't heal it now i'm not a, i'm not going to claim to be the most wise theologian on the planet so maybe somebody could show me that 
where, oh, hey, here's a place where Jesus decided not to heal someone or where he, you know, where he had an opportunity to heal and chose not to. But to my knowledge, every place that Jesus went, if there was sickness, it fled from him. And even death, he resurrected at least two people that I can think of, yep. maybe three. Yep. And also when you look at his, uh, you know, his resurrection after the cross, uh, I have to go back and look, but there was a place, um, I have to go back and look where it's at. It's in the gospels, but you know, it talks about how the graves opened up and right. there were yeah. hundreds of saints yeah. that rose, right. you know, and, uh, it wasn't just Jesus. It's like right. life manifested and broke through the ether, man. And right. it just resurrected the dead all around them, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, so just, you know, just a comment there, um, Verse 15, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Another comment here. It's interesting that Jesus didn't go ahead and just say, hey, bring them here. I'm going to uh, manifest some food. Um, he told them to give them something to eat. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus yeah. wasn't dumb. He knew the disciples didn't have like a whole caravan of food. Right. So it was almost like there was an expectation of, Hey, this miracle you're seeking, you right. do it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and all throughout scriptures, you know, there's, there's places where, you know, um, one of the areas where the disciples, um, you know, brought the, the paralytic kid. I think that's in Mark or something like that. Maybe Matthew or Mark where they couldn't heal. They couldn't, they couldn't heal the kid. Right. And he, you know, Jesus says, how long do I have to deal with you? You know, I think he calls them faithless generation. Yeah. I said, bring them here. It's like, all right, I'll do it. Bring him here. But he's like, it, there was kind of almost this expectation. He's like, you should, you should be able to do this, you know. And so, you know, he was, he was expecting them to heal the sick, to do these miracles too. It wasn't just him. And you know, of course, you know, we know from you know him that uh, he discusses when he departs that greater works than the ones he did, uh, we're going to be able to do. That was, you know, Jesus himself telling us that, and. Uh, so anyway, going back to verse 17, he says, and they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here. Then he commanded them to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So that whole, that's a great story, but what I want to hone in on, there, there's a lot you can learn from the whole thing and a lot of directions you could go with that. But what I want to hone in on here is what is the nature of God here? So there, there's a need. What's the need? They're hungry. Right. Okay. Well, why didn't he give them enough, just enough? What was the point? What, what was the point? Uh, yeah. Why didn't he just give them enough? Why didn't it just say, and so they all ate and were filled? Right. And I've, then, always, I've always wondered about that and why they were so specific about the number of baskets that were left over and the number of, uh, was it, were there pieces of fish left over or just bread? Uh, the, there's another, uh, there's another place where he did this over in, um, uh, actually I think the next chapter and I think they, they talk about fish there. Yeah. And so it, it happened in a couple times, right. but yeah, so that's there's the, extra. There's extra. That's the, that's the point here. Right. You know, that's the, again, we're, we're, the question is, what is the nature of God in, in this area of need? So here, you know, here's God's children. They have an area of need specifically in this moment, food, they need to eat, right? It'd been a little bit since they ate. And, uh, so, and what was the nature? So, okay. They ate till they were full and then there was still leftovers. 
Now, God being sovereign, he knew how much they needed. Why be wasteful, God? Why are you wasting food, God? You know, why didn't you save up some of that manifesting mojo for another miracle, right? You know, um, not that he needs to do that, but, you know, that I think when you start to see in all these areas, you'll start to see whether it's uh, food, you know, any kind of provision, any kind of, um, you know, whether it's wealth, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, symbols of uh, prosperity like oil, you know, back in the day was, a, you know, oil was a symbol of prosperity. Right? Olive oil. Olive oil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, not, not 10 W 30, right? Um, olive oil, it was a symbol of prosperity and, uh, it always, there in every verse, you know, talk, when it talks about oil, uh, there's multiple places where it talks about the cup running over, you know, well, why not just fill it to the brim? Cause you can't use what runs over. If it's running over, like onto the ground, you just wasted it. So why, why do that? And so the, the idea that seems to start that you start to kind of see what is the nature of God in this area of need that I have as a human being. And it seems to be excess, you know, so it's like not only are my needs going to be taken care of, there's going to be more. Well, you know, and, and this idea, you know, you hear from, from believers, you'll hear this, it's, you know, I call it a poverty mindset, but it's this, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear, uh, you know, uh, sayings, you know, um, you know, like, Oh, there's, you know, uh, there's more to life than, uh, than getting rich. You know, don't worry yourself out to get rich, you know, and they'll say things like, Oh, I don't need all that. You know, I don't need to get rich to be happy or, you know, and the you know, first thing I, you know, I kind of like to think about is like when they say that I go, well, you know, say that again, they go, Oh, I don't. And I say, and I kind of cut them off and I go, who doesn't? And I go, Oh, I don't. And I'm like, Oh, who said this is all about you? So is this whole thing just about you? Like you only like you're the only one that, that matters financially, or like there's nobody else that you can give to, or that nobody that else is, you're gonna affect. That, yeah. So you're the only person, like you're only here to exist and serve your needs, and that's it. Is that correct? You know, and of course, you know they get this look on their face, like, no, I don't mean that. It's like, well, how can you help anybody else? You know, if your tires blow out today and it's five hundred bucks to fix, and you look in your bank account and you got two hundred dollars in rents due in three days, and it's twelve hundred dollars. Are you thinking about anybody else right now? Nope. Are you thinking about helping anyone? Nope. Are you thinking about making an impact on anybody else's life? Nope. You are self-consumed with your own problem. And all you can think about is not excess, is how can I just get enough? You know, people say, oh man, you know, if I could just get enough to pay my bills. And that's all they ever seem to get is just enough to pay their bills. Because that's all deep down they're looking. That's all that, you know, they're, and, you know, we could go through the psychology of that. I mean, I got a lot of opinions on that. I could talk for hours on that subject alone, you know, um, of, of being worthy of money, of, uh, of belief, of thinking they can do it. There's a lot of directions we could go with that. But yeah, they have negative, you know, uh, I call it programming. You know, the Bible calls it strongholds. Yeah. You know, uh, Dave Ramsey calls it the, the financial family tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Old Testament would call it generational curses. You know, thinking and you know, uh, you know, alcoholism runs in my family. You'll hear people say that, right? right? You know, so it's you know, poverty thinking can run in a family line. Right. You know, they just they learn it from their family all the way up. Everybody's been poor and broke since the beginning of time, yeah. and you know, for for as long as anybody can remember, right? right. And it's uh, you know, and, and it's a uh, it's a curse. It really is. It's there is nowhere in scriptures where poverty is meant 
uh, is ever looked at as a good thing. Right. Nowhere. I mean, Jesus, you know, nowhere does it say God blessed him with poverty. Yeah. Well, Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob slash Israel were all extremely wealthy. Absolutely. But we don't see it in, because we don't see it in dollars and cents. Right. And when you calculate the value today of the animals that they had, oh my they gosh. were multimillionaires. Well, and I actually I did that one time with Solomon. Um, and just a, a quick run of verses here. If you go to First Kings and look at basically chapter 9 through middle of chapter 10. You know, so basically chapter 9 starting in verse 14. Uh, there's a mention, there's places where it talks about he was given, um, you know, there was gifts of gold and he was, you know, of course he owned gold mines, uh, you know, cedar, you know, he owns, you know, sawmills, right? You know, everything to process wood and uh, had tr uh, trade with merchant ships with neighboring nations and stuff. But I calculated the value one time. So in First Kings uh, chapter 9, verse 14, uh, and I'd have to go back and look specifically at what each one of these reference of numbers were to as far as what was happening as in, you know, was this a gift or was this money that was uh, earned from the gold mine or where did this come from? But I've got the numbers. In uh, 1 Kings 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 14, there were 9,000 pounds of gold, which in today's value. Um, now, when I actually wrote this, this was about a year or two ago, so it's actually probably more than that. Gold has gone up in price, but that was 187 million. Wow. Okay. First Kings, this is all in one chapter. First Kings uh, 9, 28, um, there were 16 tons of gold. That's 32,000 pounds of gold, which is $665 million. <laughs> First Kings 10, another 9,000 pounds of gold, which is, again, $187 million. First Kings 10, 25 tons of gold each year mined from the mines, which is a billion dollars. Okay, that's so 50. he was the Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, he, Bezos of his time. He, he cash flowed billions annually. In uh, one of those, uh, you know, again, go back in, you know, I can't remember the exact place in Kings, but the uh, queen, I think it was the Queen of Sheba or Queen Sheba or whatever her name yeah. is, um, she gave him for his advice on a particular subject matter one time. If you added up all the value of the gold and the spices and the silver and everything, it was something like $90 million dollars. I mean, imagine owning a consulting firm and your advice is so good that one client pays you 90 million bucks for what you have to say. Wow. Imagine being that wise. Okay. And now why did all that come? Because Solomon did what we're taught in scriptures where it says, seek first the kingdom and all these things are added to you anyway. Right. We look at, um, you know, I think it's in, uh, you know, where he asked, what was it where he asked for wisdom? Was it first Kings, uh, like two, three, four, six, first part of Kings, um, where, you know, he, he sought, uh, an understanding heart from the Lord. The Lord visited him in a dream, right? And, uh, in the dream he asked for, he, he, you know, saw what happened to his previous leader, the previous leadership team, his, you know, dad, grandpa, all the way up. He saw the atrocities and how bad it affected the nation. He said, give me an understanding heart. Give me wisdom so I can handle this. Right. You know, and the Lord said, okay, not only since you asked for that, not only am I going to give you basically a double portion, you're going to be the wisest guy that ever was and never will be another, but I'm also going to make you richer than anybody that is on record. You know, and then, uh, I mean, if you just keep looking, I mean, and then it's like, uh, first Kings 10, you know, I'll, I'll finish up on this point here. He had 200 gold shields made. These are for decoration, man. They didn't use these in battle. De these are decorative for the temple. Wow. 200 gold shields made, they were 15 pounds a piece, 
That's a that's a three hundred and twelve thousand dollars for one gold shield. It's a Lamborghini. <laughs> so one gold shield. He had he had fit. Uh, he had two hundred of these things. Imagine you're so rich. You're so rich. You're decorating your office. You put up two hundred gold shields. They're three hundred grand a piece. That's how much money you got. That is how wealthy this guy was. Show me one major character in the Bible that did something big that wasn't wealthy. Even Esau, that gave up his birthright, still ended up getting rich in the end. Right. The blessing was so huge, he just got a little taste of it. You know, I mean, it's even he was okay. Right. Maybe he wasn't a billionaire like Jacob, but he was a millionaire. Right. You know, yeah. You know, he sold his majority shareholder, but you know, they're like, oh, you know, Esau, he's still in the family. Let's give him a little bit of something. You know. Yeah. By the end, they made up. He got something. I don't remember what it was. It was something like 200 camels or something like that. You know, He, he still made some money. right? He as badly as he screwed up. right? So in all this stuff, you know, it was by, uh, it was a different, you know, we won't get into this you know, conversation, but there's been multiple covenants throughout the, the scriptures, right? You know, we're, in a, we're a, in a new covenant now through Jesus, you know, but there's been, it's not just Old Testament, New Testament, there's been multiple covenants. Right. And these guys... They, just because of the covenant God made, they were, they were crazy wealthy, even when they were screwing up. Right. The more they screwed up, the more God seemed to give them, the more he seemed to bless them. Well, if it was by, you know, if it was by your good works that you got wealthy, how in the heck did these guys pull it off? Right. It's the nature of God. Now, does that mean, oh, I don't have to do anything? Okay, well, now we're going back to that pendulum, that way far right, where it says, oh, God just loves you, so you're going to get rich. No, that's not what it means. If Solomon didn't build the gold mine and didn't hire the workers right, and didn't, and didn't mine the gold, right. God's not going to be out there with a pickaxe pulling it out for him. Right. You know, he, he still had to go. And get, yeah, he had to build the industry. He had to build the infrastructure. He had to hire the workers. That's right. He had to put people in charge. He had to take the vision and run with it. That's right. And you look at Joshua and Caleb when they were, you know, um, you know, pursuing the uh, the land of promise and, and having to go in and kill all the giants and do everything that they did. God told them multiple times, "Be strong and courageous. Right. Be strong and courageous." But He said, "I have given you the land." Right. He didn't say, "I will give it to you." He spoke as it already had happened. Right. You know, in the scriptures it says, "God who calls things that be not as though they were." In Romans, it's Romans somewhere four or something like that. You know, uh, Paul talks about how God speaks things as though they already are. He needs no convincing, even though in the reality it doesn't reflect it. There's, there's, oh, right. like reality is not reflecting the truth of this situation. Like the reality shows I'm broke or I'm this or, you know, or, the, you know, I'm not even going to say that. Let's say reality shows that a person is financially, they're strapped, they're broke, you know, or they're not healed, they're experiencing disease or whatever. That might be what reality shows. But truth supersedes reality, right? Right. Reality is a dimension, right? We experience right. it. We're experiencing reality, but God created this thing that we're experiencing. So he exists outside of it. His promises were spoken above that dimension of reality. Yeah, that's pretty good. Right. When you said reality shows, I thought you were going to talk about some reality <laughs> program on TV for a second. But yeah, reality <laughs> demonstrates. Yeah. Reality demonstrates. Right, yeah. yeah. Reality. So reality may be uh, revealing right. that, oh, this body that I'm encased in right. has a disease or has this or has that. But the truth is, by his stripes, I've been healed. But, you know, all the promises that we have, 
And again, going back to uh, what's the nature of God? Well, show me in the Bible anywhere where somebody came and, and, the, and the need to be healed was there. There's even cases in the Bible where Jesus just came across it. They didn't even ask. Right. He just did it. They didn't even ask. And I mean, I could go back and look them up and we could find the exact scriptures, but I mean, I know they're there. I think when, I think it's only in Luke and he sees a funeral procession and the name of the town, I think this is the only place it appears in the Gospels, is uh, Nain or Nain, N-A-I-N. And uh, it's under a different name. I think it might be Nablus today. And, and it might, I think it's in either the West Bank or the Gaza Strip. But uh, he came across a funeral procession and the guy that was in the, in the coffin, he raised, he resurrected it. And I don't think anybody asked Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's like, it's just disease, death, and poverty cannot seem to exist around him. It just, so what, how you know, much more, you know, that just really punches up the scripture where Paul says, uh, you know, Rob Shovel, the Apostle Paul, says, and I think he's the one that said that we should walk as he walked. Yeah. Exhorting us, you know, to f walk in the footsteps of, of the Messiah. And whether that means going to work, whether that means being on a schedule. I mean, like super practical points. You know, a lot of grass didn't grow under the feet of Jesus. Like, no. he was always on the move. Yeah. And uh, so... You know, how much more should we be engaged? And I, I always like to try to bring it back to the practical. Like, what can I do with what you guys are saying today that could change my life and head me in a different trajectory, the right trajectory? So, yeah. Anyway. Well, and that's such a good point. And, you know, some people, then, you know, of course, obviously the question at some point comes like, okay, well, great culture, you know, Kevin, you know, if all this stuff is true, then why am I not experiencing what you're saying? Yeah. Right. That's the big question. Yeah, I was going to get to that yeah. before we sign off. Yeah. It's like, well, why, you know, why am I not experiencing this? Right. And, uh, you know, and then the, 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 there's a lot of different directions we could go with that, you know? Um, but the, you know, but the, the thing, you know, I think it's in James where it says, um, you ask and you don't receive right. because you ask amiss that right. you may spend it on your pleasures. Right. And that word pleasures is basically, you know, riotous living and, um, you know, okay. So the, the actual verse, you know, pulling it up here now, um, James four, verse two and three, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Well, right off the bat, that's. Something right there, it says you don't have, so like whatever I'm asking for, like how many times, you know, and I've done this before, you know, myself, you know, desiring something that is totally of God and wanting it and then thinking about praying about it. And then like, for whatever reason, I just kind of draw back, right? I don't, pray, I don't pray. I don't ask for it. Either I, either there's some lie that comes against me and says, oh, you don't deserve it. Or God's probably not going to do that. Or, oh, that's like. You know, there, there's some petty excuse in my mind. Right. You know, it's lack of belief, I think. Really. Absolutely. Like, we, we, we've been programmed to think that God doesn't care about material things. Well, I mean, Jesus and many of the prophets provided lots of material things. And they were 
just basic needs, like you went, you know, back to the bread and the fish. They, I mean, that was probably the first instance in history of a to-go box and taking home extra food <laughs> with the bread and the extra fish. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it, it's this idea, and I think it, it really goes back to the point that you made earlier in the, uh, before we even started the broadcast about uh, how can you help anybody if you don't have extra it's not about you and really I, I was talking to another friend about this last night that um, she was saying she didn't want to receive help because she didn't know a lot of people here she's new in town and I said what's the difference she goes to my congregation and I said what does it matter if they're safe people and they want to help you because if you don't want help from anybody and you don't want to help anybody else then basically you have a few options for your day. You stay in your house, you don't answer the phone, you can pray, you can read the Bible, you can study the Bible, uh, you can eat, and you can pray, you can thank God for the food, but other than that, what can you really do with your day um, on any given day, you know, even, your, even the Sabbath, right, that doesn't involve giving and receiving from other people? Like, we're always in need of somebody, and somebody is always in need of us. Even if it's to open the door. Today, somebody walked out of the coffee shop that I was at, and they said, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get to hold the door for you. I, I ran out too fast. They wanted to give me hospitality, and I would have gladly received it. Sure. But, you know, it just didn't work out. But, I mean, there, there's so much circuitry that we're part of that we don't even think about and realize. And I believe this is at the foundation level of what, how God gets us to change. It's, it's micro adjustments every day. It's more and more kind of acts of random acts of, of kindness. It's more and more serving your family better or serving your business better. And all of it goes back to serving God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, I think the, the challenge comes in when you start trying to um, uh, diag diagnose the uh, spiritual problem, so to speak. Where I'm going, okay, why is why am I not, you know, I'm praying for, let's say, health, or I'm praying for financial breakthrough. So again, this kind of topic that we're talking about today is the nature of God, specifically in health and wealth. So, you know, I'm praying for the, the house. I'm praying for, you know, um, you know this or that, right? And, uh, you know, I think, the, I think what's important is, you know, to, to first, um, you know, seek the will of God. To pray and say, hey, you know, God, whatever it is I'm wanting, is, is this in your will? Right now, you know, it, it's, it's so, it's so easy to like ask other people and get wrong information about areas, uh, you know, like this where, you know, for, you know, you, you can't tell what's in the heart of a person, right? So, you know, you can say there, there is multiple places in scripture where there was something good that was not happening to the group of people because of their unbelief. Now, does that mean that necessarily, specifically in your situation, whatever it is that you're desiring of God, isn't happening because of your unbelief? Well, I don't think there's a blanket statement that covers everything, but it's good to know things that that um, were blocking blessings of other people in the Bible because we do know because it tells us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if if we can do that, and we can start to see. Like, okay, well, how can this apply to me? Is this going on in my life, right? 
but you don't necessarily just have a blanket statement. It's like, oh, you're not, ha you know, you don't have healing, so because you don't believe. Well, I mean, that's a kind of like a, that's a judgment. Like I'm judging that person on their belief level. I don't know what their heart is. I don't know why. Um, the the biggest challenge I have seen in my own experience and with in talking with other people on this is really in the area of expectation. You know, the, the Bible says that man's ways are not God's ways and God's ways are not man's ways. So if we pray for healing, for example, and I'm going to uh, end with this here in a little bit, but there were three completely different accounts of healing in the scripture that I want to talk about. There were probably more, I'm sure there are more, but specifically about leprosy. There were three leprosy scenarios um, that were, that all three of the lepers were healed, but they were all healed in different ways. Right. But the problem is, is when one leper looks at the, and sees the other leper, you know, the first leper that gets healed, well, when the second leper comes around and saw how the first leper got healed, and then when his healing isn't like the first leper, he starts going, what's wrong with me? Right. Right. Well, or he, you know, I ask his neighbor, hey, well, you know, what's going on? Like, I'm not getting healed like the other leper, right. you know? And, and so there's an expectation. You're saying, like, that's what you're thinking happened or that actually happened in Scripture? Where the other leper is like, why did I not get right. healed? No, no, I'm just I'm, you're just a, theorizing. I'm theorizing yeah, here. Right. Like, well, yeah. this is what we do today as believers, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I heard about Joe Bob, whose right. cancer got healed, right. and he's been remit. You know, he's not not just remission; it's gone, and that was 19 years ago, right? And he's been cancer free for 19 years, and I'm, right. you know, and this person that's you know talking about this story is in stage four, and doctors are telling them they're going to die in 60 days. You know, well, why am I not healed like Joe Bob, right? You know, so we, we try to, you know, so that's the same kind of, same kind of deal, right? Same topic, same kind of idea, you know, it's just, we have an expectation about how God should, mm -hmm. you know, bring about this, this blessing of health or prosperity in our life. When in reality, whatever we could try to think of, it's not as good as what God could do. Right. And, and if we actually did get our way, it would be less than what God had intended. Right. Right. In, in almost every scenario, you know, and yeah. so when you just to kind of to wrap this idea of unbelief up here. So there's there's three areas that we want to look at Hebrews 3 and 19, Matthew 13, 58 and Mark 6 and 5, starting in Hebrews 3 and 19, the writer of Hebrews, um, you know, talks and says, um, let's start actually in verse 12. He says, beware, brethren, lest there be any uh, of you. Let's be, uh, sorry, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Kind of pausing there, that's one of the things that sin does. That's why God hates sin. It becomes a barrier between us and what we feel like we deserve from God. So our heart gets hardened. We do stuff and we think because of what we've done, we're not deserving of God's blessings. Right. That's the deceitfulness of sin. Right. When in, in fact, it's not true. Show me one sin that when, when you're a believer and you have the blood of Christ on you and you are, you are saved and, and uh, you know, you are sealed with the, with the blood of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You, you aren't all of a sudden a saint that will never ever sin again. Right. Exactly. And there's, there, there's, it's just your sin nature has been, been handled but, by, by, yeah, but you're human by the blood of the Messiah, by the blood yeah. of Jesus. But yeah, you're, you're human. You're going to have impure thoughts. Right. There right. might even be an impure action that you have. Right. Once. 
after you've been <laughs> saved. And I'm being sarcastic, right? right? Yeah, yeah. You're going to sin. Now, right. does that mean that But you, now you've got a force within you. What, what in, in, in Hebrew you call the Yetzirah Hatov, the, the good inclination that's, that's been empowered to, to yes. start growing in strength and fight against the evil inclination. Absolutely. And there is a difference between a person who is living in sin right. uh, versus a person Right. Who sometimes sins. Right. And we're not talking about living in sin only limited to people who are shacking up, living together, being married. Yeah. 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 It could be living in sin as in, you know, maybe a person's an alcoholic. Right. They drink perpetually, perpetually stealing or just embezzling. Or yeah. God, they, they, God forbid, God forbid, right? Yeah. yeah. There, there's a difference between practicing unrighteousness right. and sometimes sinning. Right. Right. There's in the scriptures, we won't go off and study this in this moment, but there is absolutely a difference between practicing unrighteousness as in practicing as in like you practice a sport, intentionally, diligently focusing on the act in daily, like this is what I'm doing versus I've been renewed and there is a, there's times where I might have a moment where I do something that I shouldn't have done and then I instantly know it, I repent, I come to God, Lord, forgive me. Right. And then thank you, Lord, for my forgiveness. And then you continue to walk in the light. Right. That's what living the Christian life is. Yeah, and I, and I forget where the scripture is. I'm pretty sure it's in the Gospels or Epistles. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be... Uh, uh, well, I know he says confess your sins and he's faithful to heal all unrighteousness. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. You know that? Yeah, yeah. I like that. I, there's one that, that talks about one to another because there's one, there's one idea, and I know we're not talking about Confession and and that's another topic, but the the idea that creating that accountability, bringing it to the light, like actually verbalizing it and being repentant, and having sure. somebody else that's a mature believer even pray for you, you know, and, and this can be you know to to, to pray against uh, like you said mindset, poverty mindset, generational curses that are are impeding the flow of business, that are impeding somebody from. You know, leaving a, a nine to five job to start their own company, or yeah. you know, whatever disbelief, unbelief, a lack of work ethic, a lack of vision for their life. Um, Absolutely. So. Well, and I mean, a good example just in my own life. There was a, a time uh, at one point where uh, my business partner and I uh, got into a disagreement, and I lost my temper, and I absolutely said some things that were just hateful. They just were not true. Not only were they not true, they were just hateful. And I, you know, I was reacting out of just anger in the moment and, and, and hurt and just resentment, you know. And then after we hung up the phone and a day went by, you know, I mean, right away I knew I was wrong. I mean, the Holy Spirit convicted me I was wrong, right? And then, you know, within a day or two, I can't remember how long it went. That, it, uh, it wasn't that long, but, you know, um, I, I called him back up and, you know, I said, Man, you know, forgive me. I was, I was wrong for doing that. Um, that's not who I'm committed to being. That's not who God wants me to be. And that's not my truth identity. I, uh, you know, I, I messed up and I, you know, I want your forgiveness and he forgave me and we moved past it. And then he's done that to me and you've done that to somebody else and somebody else done that to you. That's human. We mess up, but there's a difference in, in doing that and coming back to your true nature, re right. regenerated in, in a new creation in Christ versus that's just how you treat everybody all the time, and you just don't right, care. Right. That's yeah. practicing sin right. versus yeah. that, sinning and then repenting. Yeah, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, once it's inside of you, like actually sears your conscience and points out, you know, yeah. what you've done. And, uh, but yeah, and back to this, I, I just wanted to, to think about some questions for next time. 
some of the questions I jotted down, like why might God want us to have wealth? We kind of touched on that. I think I'd like to you know talk a little bit more about that next time. And where's the line drawn? Like, is there such thing as too much wealth? And for for one person or another, you know, what should I shoot for? Is it different for each person? Uh, and and what should we strive for? What should we be praying for? Uh, should we be praying for amounts? Should we be praying for obviously direction? Some of these may seem rudimentary questions for some people, but how should I feel about wealth and my material desires? Uh, how do I know if my uh, wealth plans and goals are of God? And, um, you know, I, 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 it's convicting me, like, to pray the next time I start to feel like, you know, I have a tight shoulder or a headache. Like, I don't, I, I automatically think, oh, I'll ice it. I'll take Arnica, I'll do this, I'll do that. I don't think of in the moment for, because I'm together, out of yeah. the habit. Yeah, taking it to the Lord, you know, yeah. immediately. Well, and, you know, right off the bat, this, when you asked the question, there were several there, but one that spoke to me right in the moment was, you know, uh, how much is too much or how much is enough? Or I can't remember exactly how you put it. Yeah, I, I think I had both of them. Yeah, that. so, you know, I think it goes to the parable of um, the, the talents. You know, God gave one man five. Gave one man 10, gave one man one. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Well, he gave the guy 10 because he, he was a 10 talent guy. Right. Yeah. He needed 10. Right. But the guy with five talents, you didn't hear him go, well, you know, hey, Mr. 10, 10 talent guy, why are you so focused on talents? Right. Okay. He didn't say that. Right. They just all went to work. Right. And the wicked servant was the one that didn't do anything with it. Right. Okay. And then the God ripped it out of his hands, threw him into outer darkness, and gave it. Right. So the, one, to the, that had the one that had ten. Yeah. Oh, that's not fair. Why didn't he give it to the one that had two or five? Yeah. He gave it to the top guy. Well, you know, when you create your own planet, you can do it how you want to do it. Right. But exactly. until then, you're a guest. Right. You know, until then <laughs> you gotta figure out how this thing that he set up started like start how does it work, right? Right, yeah. You know, and uh the the thing about, you know, unbelief we're talking about, you know, here in Hebrews wrapping this part up, uh at the end of Hebrews uh three it said there there was a promise of rest. Right, that the the writer says it says verse eighteen. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Verse nineteen. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So here was a promise of rest that was true, a hundred percent existed, and it was accessible, and they couldn't obtain it because of their unbelief. Now, does that mean everything that I'm not obtaining in my life is because, because of unbelief? unbelief. No. Well, maybe no. Yeah. I, but I mean, it, I don't. But, you know, there could be some times that whatever I'm thinking that I should have, well, the the way I'm interpreting, I've got an expectation that's not being fulfilled in terms of I think it should happen this way, right? When God's like, no, there's a way that's way better than that. You know, it's like, you know, I'm I'm like, well, guy, I'm, you know, where's my microwave dinner? And he's like, I've got a steak dinner at Three Forks prepared for you. And he's like... But look, you, you don't need your microwave dinner right now. Like, you know, I'm, they're cooking the steak. Where is it, God? It's cooking. <laughs> Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's like, right, you know? And it's like, but we have these expectations. Okay, so does that mean it's always unbelief that's existing there? No, but can it be? Absolutely, right. right? And then if you look in Matthew 13, it talks about Jesus actually said, Matthew 13 and 58 and then Mark 6, 5. Um, he literally said that... Uh, he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. In his verse 57, he said, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country, in his own house. So there were mighty works that Jesus wanted to do, would, love, would have loved to do, but couldn't because of their unbelief. 
Now he's that's God, so so yeah. could he physically have forced them to be right. healed? Sure, but that's not what love does. Love doesn't force itself upon anybody, even if you need what it's trying to give you. That's not what love does. Right? right? And that same account is back in Mark. But, you know, wrapping up, you know, and we won't go through the uh, readings of each. We'll just paraphrase them here for sake of time. But, um, you know, there's a story of three different lepers that God showed me that really helped me one, at one point. Because at one point in my life, I, was, uh, I had autoimmune disease. I was praying for healing. Um, it was really messing me up. There were times where I'd lose significant amounts of weight in one month. Uh, couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, years went by, you know, definitely tested my faith. You know, why, you know, Lord, Lord, what's going on. And, um, what was, uh, interesting is that was right during the, the time that I actually, uh, I actually had allowed a drinking problem to, 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 to start to grow in my life. And, um, and what was what's interesting about that is uh, because of the autoimmune disease that had came in, it uh, it my stomach would not allow very much alcohol into my system wow. because it would reject it. Like I'd start, it was weird. Like I, I couldn't have more than literally one drink. I mean, if I had one drink, I mean, it was like my stomach would knot up and it would do this weird stuff. Like I couldn't, I couldn't drink anymore. Right now, I was praying for healing. Lord, heal me. Right? Now, I wasn't praying so I could drink more. Right. But what I didn't understand is, now later on, I did. God did heal me. He took those things away. I haven't had issues with those anymore. Okay? But after he took those away, the drinking really got out of hand. Now, what's interesting is had he healed me when I asked, my marriage between my wife and I was not strong enough at the time to have handled it, and I know for certain we would have ended in divorce. But... Later, when he did remove it, the drinking still got out of hand. But my marriage was at a stronger place. Specifically, my wife was stronger in her faith with God. And she was able to handle the storm that wow. my drinking brought. Wow. That's if I had had my way, and if I got my cookie like I had asked, right. my marriage would have been destroyed. And I still would have been healed. Right. But I would have been healed without a family. Right. Later on, fast forward, I still got healed. But it was through God's timing, and now my family is flourishing. Right. So I get my health and my family. Wow. Praise God. But see, but, yeah. but see, we don't see the whole parade. Right. Right? We, you know, God's got the 30,000 foot view. We just see what's right in front of us. Right. You know, had I been healed when I wanted, it would have destroyed my life. Right. And I, I've heard before that in Psalm, I think it's 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It doesn't light up all the way to the horizon. Like there, absolutely we don't see. That's good. The yeah, the whole the whole path through the forest. That's very good. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. And uh, you know, to to wrap our you know as we come to a close here up with these three stories of these lepers. You know, so if you look in Second Kings five, uh, and again we won't read all this because it's you know about three chapters here, two or three chapters. But Second Kings chapter five, one through nineteen, you read the story of Naaman, uh, the leper who dipped. Um, had to dip seven times yeah. in the River Jordan. Yeah, I believe he was basically like a five-star general. Like I think he yeah. it was like the the director, you know, the, the defense department, you know. The, yeah, like DOD head or yeah, something the, like that. Yeah, the Department of Dep Defense yeah, yeah, coming yeah. to a country. Yeah, yeah, big, big, a big deal, right? And uh, so, um, so for him, in that story, you read that um, he was told by the prophet. I forgot what prophet told him to dip. It was Elisha because. 
E-L-I-S-H-A, because his servant Gehazi ended up leprous when he chased him for the reward that he tried to give Elisha. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. So so the prophet told Naaman, dip seven times, you'll be healed. Pretty simple. Right. Well, Naaman didn't want to do that. Right. Well, number one, the River Jordan apparently is dirty, and I've never seen it. But you know, it's he said Naaman's like it's a dirty river. Aren't there better rivers in you know? You said the, I think Syria, yeah, right? Damascus, Damascus. You know yeah. why? You know, is there not better rivers elsewhere that I could go dip? You know, and then his servant said, "Hey, look, if the prophet told you to do some grand gesture, would you not have done it?" Yeah. He's like, "Well, why not just do this easy thing, basically?" Right. So you could see now it doesn't specifically say. God was dealing with Naaman's pride, right. right? It doesn't say that, but you can tell by the story, Naaman had a pride problem, right? Right, And he did it, and he was healed, but he had, what was keeping him from being healed in that moment? His pride. Right, and he was doing something common, and something yeah. that may not have even been done in his religion, but that was done by people in the faith of Israel. Sure. So, it yeah. was all, and, and actually, this is interesting, I never thought about this, so the mikvah, the, the, the baptist, baptistry, so to speak, you know, the immersion pool mm-hmm. in Judaism is used for conversion. And it's also used to change status for a woman that is finishing her menstrual cycle right. to going back to ritually pure or right. clean, right? Not right. physically clean, but... Right, right, right. And so it was like he converted. It was like he became part of Israel. And he even says, let me take some dirt from Israel and stand on it and use it so that when I have to do some pagan right with the king, because I have to be at his side and we're pagans, that I'll be forgiven. Oh, wow. I never, I didn't think about that. So it's like he's converting to belief in the God of Israel. Yeah. That's so interesting. He's reborn. And all the, and, and there's some, but one of the leper, it might be one of these stories where it says that, I think it is Naaman, not Amon, Naaman, that when he comes out, his flesh was like a newborn right. baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, totally new. Who's, you know, that, he was reborn. Yeah. He's born again. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely new. Uh, and that's the, uh, and that's the thing. So it's, so again, if you, you know, if you summarize that, it's like, okay, for this guy to have gotten healed, he had to do something. Right. And then what was also keeping him from being healed was his pride. Now, does that mean if you're not experiencing healing, you've got a pride problem and there's something that you're supposed to do that you're not doing? Not necessarily. No. Yeah. No, not at all. It might you you might not have any pride problem. Right. You know, we all have issues with pride, but you know, this this was a problem that was he he was a prideful man. He right. lived pridefully. Right. You know, and we all at times get, you know, egos puffed up or whatever, but this man specifically he, had problems with pride. And it's interesting you're bringing up ego and pride because um, the Jewish sages and other commentators of the of the Torah, they, they the rabbis, they talk about uh, leprosy being tied to what's called lashon hara or gossip or evil tongue. And we see Miriam, uh, the sister of Moses, speaks against Moses out of turn, out of order. And then boom, she's she becomes she becomes leprous, and that's that's a leper. That's the only female leper or story of leprosy that I can think of in the Bible. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I never made that connection. 
And so, so maybe he had an issue with being boisterous, being, oh, sure. you know, whatever words were coming out of yeah, his yeah, mouth yeah. were not with enough humility. Absolutely. So, you know, so that, there was that story of the leper, right? So, you know, you see he had to do something and pride was keeping him from it. And, uh, but then you also have in, uh, you know, Matthew 8, 1 through 4, uh, when Jesus came off the mountain, there's a, a leper that came to him and uh, said, hey, heal me, you know, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. And uh, Jesus said, I am willing, right? Uh, just kind of another scenario of, you know, uh, did, did, did God ever not heal somebody when the opportunity presented itself? Again, maybe there is a place in scripture that, I can, that you can point me to, but I've never seen it. Uh, and then, but it says, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Right? So what's interesting is he didn't have to do anything. Right. Right? But yet he was still healed. He was healed immediately. Now Naaman was healed also. Right. But he had to dip in the river seven times. So it's two completely different healings. Now here's the thing. If this, you know, if this leper, you know, uh, let's say Naaman had saw this leper get healed or heard about him getting healed by one of his buddies, mm -hmm. okay, and he's like, oh, I just got to go talk to the prophet and say, heal me. And then he goes to the prophets like, heal me. And then he's like, go dip in the river seven times. He's like, well, hold on. You said that other, that other guy just went to Jesus and said, heal me. Right. Okay, now I, I get it. Naaman was Old Testament. This guy was new. So Jesus wasn't around to do that. Right. right. But the prophets didn't, you know, mighty things. Right. So right. why couldn't he have just gone to a prophet right. and said, you know, man of God, heal me. You know, and that's how we are in the church today. We'll hear of somebody else's healing, compare it to our own right. present moment of no healing. Right. And wonder what's wrong. What am I doing? Why is this not yeah. working? So the expectation, the hope is in the act and not in whom who performs the act. Wow. Interesting. The hope has to be in the one who performs the act, not the act being performed. Yeah. Because the act being performed, we always think it's got to be a certain way. And it's never our way. Because right. our ways are not God's ways. And his ways are better. Right. And thank God for that. Right. <laughs> thank God it's not performed the way we think it should be performed. I just, just like I told you earlier, if I'd had my way, I would have run my life, right. right? But I ended up getting more, you know, and then wrapping up with this, there are 10 lepers in Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. Jesus heals the, uh, the 10 lepers here. And, uh, but the way that they're healed, you know, what's interesting about that is uh, they were healed as they went. So they had to go and prove themselves, show themselves to the priest that they were healed. Right? Because, uh, you know, as a leper, you were cast out of the community. You were put right. in a community with other lepers. And you weren't allowed back in unless you could go to the priest who was basically, like, would sign off and say, yep, this guy was healed. He can come back now. Right? right? So Jesus said, all right, you're healed, but go to the priest. Okay? But it doesn't say, and immediately they were healed. Right. Like he did in Matthew 8. I was wondering about that phrase. And they were healed as they were. So here's the like thing. It was a slow motion healing. Well, here's the deal. They were healed as they went. So it's, he, he said, go to the priest. Right. So if they didn't go, they wouldn't have seen healing. I mean, you can't say that for sure, but I think that's a safe it's bet. A, yeah. I think that's yeah. a safe bet. Right. right. You know, and, and that's the deal. So he, Jesus told them, hey, go show yourself to the priest. And then it says, as they went, they were healed. Now, put yourself in the situation of one of those 10 lepers. Jesus just says you're healed. And you're walking to the priest, but you're not there yet. And you look down and you're not healed. But the Son of God just said I was. Mm. But you're, and you're walking to the priest. So what is required in that moment? 
Faith. Faith. You, if, they, if, they, if they didn't have faith that they really were healed, do you think they would have gone to the priest? Right. No, put yourself in their situation. You're Old Testament, you know, uh, you're, in, or, uh, you're in ancient Israel, right? Son of God tells you, you've been healed, go see the priest. If you really didn't think you were healed and you had a hard heart and you're like, no, I'm not. Look at this. I can still see my leprosy. Right. You'd be like, screw this. You know, you would just head it out to your daily business or whatever. Right. And you would have never been healed. And, and what's interesting is if they had thought this way, well, I'm going to put it to the test. Maybe he's not the son of God, but I'm going to assume he is. So by the time I get there, this has to be gone. Otherwise, the priest won't be able to declare me clean. Yeah. Absolutely. So if I get there and I'm not, I'm not cleansed, I'm not healed, then he must not be the son of God because yes. I, he won't. They are not going to even see me. Right. Absolutely. And so that's the deal, though. There, so there's three different scenarios where the lepers were all healed, but in completely different ways, and different things were being dealt with. Right. You know, uh, you had pride being dealt with, and you had these guys. Their faith was being tested because they were getting healed as they went along. You know, and, uh, you know, and also, you know, Jesus has instances in the Bible where he healed people that were blind and then they saw him. And there was instances in the Bible where he placed his, uh, he spit in the mud, put it on the guy's eyes. And then he uh, said, you open your eyes, wash them off, you know, see. And then he said, can you see? And the guy was like, I see men, I see people, but they're like they're trees. Like trees. Yeah. He couldn't, he, he, he received a partial healing. Right. And then Jesus did it again. Well, was Jesus not powerful enough to do it the first time? Right, yeah. Well, what's it, do, you need, do you need some more mojo, Lord? Right. Like, what's going on? Yeah. No. These are these are things that we see today because this is stuff that we deal with. There are times where people will pray for healing and they'll be partially delivered. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, But it's like, well, oh, I'm not really delivered. Well, what if the blind guy thought that way? You know, what if he get hardened his heart and, you know, right. um, kind of threw a tantrum and walked away from the Lord and been like, you said you're going to heal me. Like, what is this? I can bear. I mean, yeah, it's great. I can see these trees around here, but I'm still blind. And he just walked off. Well, Jesus would have never been able to finish the job. Right. Right. right? So we don't know exactly how right. it's exactly supposed to come out. But that's why we don't put our faith in hope in the outcome of the situation, right. but in the one who delivers us from the situation, right? Because we don't know how it's supposed to happen, right? Okay, and that's a you know to wrap up our this our last verse, Hebrews six twelve. It says, "By faith and patience, they inherit the promises." Literally, verse eleven says, "We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, okay, uh, lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises." How do you inherit promises? Faith and patience, you know. So, I mean, those are just a few. You know, uh, there's uh, so many different directions we can take a lot of this stuff. But at the end of the day, if you really study the the nature of God, He is willing. He does heal us. Right. It's not in, in, in always how we expect it, and it's right. not always on our time frame. But the nature of God is excess. Right. And I, I think that's such a great point. Um, and which is, you know, really the whole point of this this episode, and that we hold ourselves back, which we've already said, is that it, it's really hard to hope for so much, but that's where the faith comes in. Like, why not? Yeah, we might be disappointed, 
But you know what? If we're really stepping out in faith and where our hearts are really right and directed toward, like you said, seeking God's will for our career, for uh, how we're supposed to make money, like we talked about last time, we're not commanded to get a job, but we are commanded to work if we want to eat, if mm-hmm. we want to mm-hmm. have a home, if we and basic necessities, mm-hmm. you know, because it's the way. I mean, if you just read the scripture from Genesis all the way through Revelation, we win, but it takes a lot of work to get there. Yeah, and a lot of that is just secular work and building for the kingdom. Yep. So uh, I think that it's ministering to me because I realize that it's because of a fear of disappointment and a lack of faith that I don't ask, that I don't step out and say, you know what? If I have a million dollars liquid, right, or two million or five million or whatever the number is God wants to give me, if it's even that, it could be less, it could be more, but I can do more with it and I will be diligent. I will be a good steward of it, Lord. So give me peace with whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to bless me with and help me to find contentment now, but not not to the level that it's going to make me indolent, not to the level that it's going to make me stop working or because I'm fearful. And I mean, we know that, um, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the verse, but I think it's in Hebrews that love casts out, perfect love casts out all fear. Yep. So if there's anything of fear, anything, fear, and, and so many things are driven by fear. Oh yeah, that, sure. that it's wrong. It doesn't matter what God wants me to have as much as it matters, I want to know, I'm willing to do what it takes to receive what God has for me. And I'm not going to be afraid or fearful or, or anxious about what that blessing looks like. Absolutely. Uh, well, in the, in the thing, uh, the thing that we have to, you know, that we have to remember, uh, you know, it says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. abundantly. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, just talking about after we die, he came. Right. He came that we would have life. Right. You know, life, life starts now. Yeah, it's right now. Yeah, yeah. you don't just wait around till you're dead. Right. You know, because uh, he says that we are more than conquerors. Right. The scripture tells us that we are more than conquerors, and that word for conqueror is vanquish. We are more than vanquishers of darkness. We're even more than that. Like, and if you read, there are so many promises throughout scripture. It's amazing. My, if I, my, my belief is this. I'm going to err, if I'm going to err, because we're all going to err, right? If I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of believing that God is, is if people if people kind of go, oh, God's not that good, or he's not going to be that powerful to do something in your life or something like that, I'm, I'm going to believe that I have the power that God actually says I have. He says he gave me in Luke, it says he gave me all the authority, give me the authority over all the power that well, poverty is part of the power of the enemy. Yeah. Is it, it doesn't come from God. Does poverty come from God? Is that a blessing from God? Never. Then how can it be perceived as anything but a curse? Right. And if it's a curse, are we called to just be okay with it? Are we called to accept it? Or are we called to vanquish it? I believe that I, if, if, I, if I get to heaven, you know, or when I get to heaven, if I'm wrong, and God's like, yeah, Coulter, I mean, you took my promises a little too literally, and um, you, the life was not as abundant. was not supposed to be as abundant as you thought. Right. It was. It's abundant, but you thought it was a little too abundant. You know. And yeah, I gave you power over the enemy, but I didn't give you that much power, Coulter. Right. 
I'm going to err on just being like, oh, sorry, God. I yeah. thought I thought you gave me more. Right, right. Not less. Not less. Right, right. Exactly. I'm still getting to heaven. Right. But while I'm on earth, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm right. to swing for the fences, man. Exactly, yeah. And I had a, a manager, a boss one time, that was like, so what is it? Uh, shoot for the shoot for the stars, and you might hit the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe I'm not as powerful as I think I am. Right. But I'm okay with that. And yeah, and, and the Lord will show you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, hopefully we'll be back with another episode soon on spirituality and prosperity, and why there is more for you than you may believe. All right. Well, God bless you and may you be blessed and encouraged. Have a great day.